0: Welcome to the Radio Worldview Podcast. I'm August Tuckabee. The Radio Worldview Podcast exists to teach students to live and think with a biblical worldview so that they can serve Christ and lead the culture. Tune in every week for perspectives on the arts, current events, and how to apply biblical worldview to every aspect of reality. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, welcome on the podcast, Suzanne. It's great to have you. Thank
1: thanks you. so much. Good to be yeah.
0: Here. yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for being on today. Uh, I was really excited to be able to get you to come talk today because you you are at this really interesting crossroads in my mind of um, kind of Christian thought and political application and doing research on these things. So I feel like you're just this treasure trove of knowledge that I really wanted to dig into. Um, so let's talk for a second about how we kind of got into this. You and I both met, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago at Teen Pact, Right. Right. And so for those of you who don't know, Team Pact is a ministry that does uh, classes all around the United States on how state government works, what students can do to be involved in the political process, and what a biblical worldview of Christians and politics is. And so that's kind of how we, uh, we go to these things and talk about it. So I teach at those. And Suzanne, what was your role at Team Pact?
1: As the class coordinator, I do mainly logistics of just making sure all the class goes well, but overseeing kind of the well-being of the staff and students overall.
0: Yeah, yeah, you do a ton of work behind the scenes. So I, I've been doing class directing for about six years now, and I feel like the most underappreciated kind of unseen position is the is the um, state coordinator, which you're doing and uh it also is the position that probably does the most work and so thanks for thanks for doing that the georgia class was really fantastic because of what you guys were doing um so talk to me a little bit about what you're doing outside of team pact because you are working for a congressional um somebody who's running for congress mm-hmm. and you're doing some research for them is that right what, what's your role kind of on that team
1: Yes. My role is director of outreach. That's a title they gave, but it really, um, I'm willing to do whatever they need because this candidate is worthy of uh, people's attention. So whatever I can do to help with that. So specifically, as everybody's probably seen in the news across the country, um, the education system's deficits and shortfalls have been exposed some of the and and some really the ideology a lot of parents were very unaware was how deep it was and and when i say ideology i mean things that are pretty pretty um more could could be really considered morally wrong by most people and then for the few that think it's the right thing to do they're pushing it pretty hard so that's been Mm -hmm. exposed a lot of parents are starting to show up at school board meetings they're um getting in groups on Facebook and just sharing information in order to ask for change in their local school districts.
0: Yeah. So what kind of predicated this movement? It was, was it COVID and, you know, uh, families were finally like, what they're teaching this in my class? Or was it, um, was it kind of the West, it was a West Virginia or Virginia that the governor's race was kind of a lot of, it was predicated on this movement. Can you give me a little bit of the background of this?
1: From what I'm gathering here locally, but I've you know read national articles, yes, through COVID, through the the children being home and the uh, parents needing to be involved and in at least how do I get the computer set up so that lessons can be taught from home, and maybe not that first like that spring of 2020, maybe no. everybody's just getting by. But by the time that fall came and a lot of uh, schools were still virtual, parents were becoming much more aware that some of the things being said, even by the teachers or the way they um, really, I don't want to use the word apathetic, but there were just some things that parents felt like were not to a standard And as they reached out, you know, you go through the normal chain of command. I'll ask the teacher about it. I'll address it with the teacher. If that doesn't get any result, I'll go to the principal. If that doesn't get a result, you keep going up the line. Right. That I'm hearing over and over. Whether it be content or just um, poor, poor, um, uh, what's the word you would? I would say, I, I will use the word logistics, but maybe sure. that just and and then you. So you've got you've got different buckets. Some people really upset about the way COVID was handled between not being offered in person learning, maybe sure. mask being required a little bit too long, or not having an option on mask. And That's one section of parents. And then another one is more about the content, which the more they kept learning, they discovered more and more that was upsetting, which is kind of what I'm discovering now. In yeah. This
0: world. Yeah. So what have you been finding? What have you been finding in your research?
1: Right. So I started local just with people who I knew were involved. And again, and it you, started live, because, you live in Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. I live That's in right. a suburb of Atlanta. And so my county um, was going back in person and he was using data that showed that we had very low case rates. So masks were optional virtual was offered but so was in person so my county was functioning pretty well but the county next door had did not even offer in person they required mask in fact they just dropped their mask mandate um, while we were at team pack two weeks ago Mm -hmm. so it was a long process and parents were there every school board meeting so anyway um But again, through that, because parents are going to school board, they start noticing the political aspect of local school boards. And I think that's the big aha that a lot of people are understanding now. There is a level of bureaucracy in local schools that it's just hard to break through. And so the parents are learning how to continue to put pressure to try to get their voices heard because it was almost a a, um, condescending attitude of we're the experts. Don't try to interfere.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think I I would say, man, we could just go so, so long on this. Um, I would say like, that's what I've picked up on, right? It's just that kind of in education, there tends to be a little bit, it just seems like it's come from somewhere and I'm not really sure where, but there seemed to have been this kind of elite status of like, we're educators, we're we're the ones who are ed- educating these kids, and so we are the ones who are up to date on the most, um, I guess, progressive agendas, not, not progressive agendas, but at least the most progressive thought on some of these topics that are coming through high schools, and so we're not, you know, we're not these uneducated kind of backwoods people or whatever, we're like we are the educated ones, and so we are the ones who should have this. Um, I mean, do you think that rings true? Yes yeah yeah so as a
1: system as a national ideology of of public education yeah that's what rings true individual teachers individual schools themselves Well, i'm not trying to demonize any of that it's more of the system
0: right right so talk to me about um yeah so have you found some pretty i guess some of it has involved like sex education Is, is there more to it than that is there is it some of the um like Black Lives Matter and um, systemic racism stuff? Like what's some of the topical things that you're finding that are concerning? Let's maybe not even say wrong, but at least concerning.
1: So take the COVID shutdown and then take all of the unrest through riots and protests and all that happened for many, many months. That played into parents being very concerned that they started hearing the same type of talk from some educators. And so they said, wait a minute, what exactly are you teaching? So gotcha. most of the local counties will tell you, we are not teaching critical race theory in our schools because that was a big concern. That became the big like uh, topic that surfaced after some of those um, issues. And then they're not, I mean, they can justify that they're not, but through these parents investigating what they found out is there are accrediting agencies that have a lot of power to, because schools want to be accredited so that colleges will recognize them. And of course, if you're a public school, you want good uh, ratings. You know, you want your students going to the best colleges. So right. it gets all tied into kind of a power structure. Well, through these accrediting agencies, that's where a lot of this more explicit sexual material and especially things um, relating to homosexuality and transgender ideology through library books
0: because mm. that makes
1: them more diverse if they have a diversity of thought, which isn't about capitalism or Christianity or any other religions. It's about two things. It's mainly about sexuality and, and the, what we would call more deviant behaviors and mm. biological questioning of their gender.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that seems just like pretty alarming. <laughs>
1: you know exactly that's yeah. what parents are alarmed
0: <laughs> yeah like pretty alarming from a from a parent perspective um and especially i think from a christian perspective like i think our next question was like well how how should a christian should what is it that you're finding that christians should be worried about or concerned about i mean it's just pretty obvious right just um, right. the teaching of sexuality from the public school system and especially sexuality from a um I'll say a non-Christian or at least like um, an atheistic perspective. Um, you just lose any kind of belief system of like what is right and how do you treat people as opposed to what I'm feeling is right and I'm going to act on it. Right? There's no underlying accountability for what truth is and how do you how do you um, follow that truth well in terms of. Um, sexuality or morality or any of these other things. I mean, is that true? What do you think about that?
1: Oh, August, I don't think I told you this, but one of the reasons I started homeschooling back in 2005, I read a book um, by George Barna, who had some hard evidence about why kids leave the church. That was one of those first printings of, in his research of like, you know, 75% of people from Christian kids from Christian homes leave the church. And that to me was like, Okay. I want to avoid that. I, yeah. How do I do this? Well, the book I read by him was uh, more of a, for church leaders, but I got the message of homeschooling. He introduced to me for the first time, what worldview was. Mm. And I had my second and fourth graders sitting down as I talked to them about all the <laughs> different worldviews in the world. I laughed at yeah. that now, but that's how much it, it struck me. And ever since then, I, that's been a mission for me is to help people understand what is it like to live with a biblical worldview? It's not just that you have salvation through Christ. That's a, that's a, that's a beginning point. And after that, what does the Bible have to say about every aspect of our lives, which we know it does. Yeah. So I will come back to what does a Christian parent do? I think we have to realize if you've never realized it before, something that hit me hard why I started homeschooling, but that may not be everybody's conclusion is God clearly calls parents to be responsible for the education of their children. And more than anything, um, intellectually or physically, it's a spiritual um, education that we're responsible for. So the couple of books that I read were very helpful and for me to, to kind of drive that home. And then I just started from there. Didn't really have a good basis for it. You know, I was just always looking for the next good thing to read for to help me understand. Um, but that really continue to perpetuate what even books in were the those heart- do you remember oh well look what i might have looked in my bookcase yesterday <laughs> and i started looking at these this morning so this one's called kingdom education by okay. um what's his name glenn schultz mm-hmm. he was an educator and in the public school system larger like department of ed type things so on a big scale um that i was glancing back over that this morning and it was very helpful still today even though mm. i think the writing was either last publication was maybe 2005 that's probably why i saw him i got to hear him speak that's what got it you know god was using ways um this one is more about homeschooling when you rise up this was um rc Sproul jr so that's another one that's pretty old but this one too um this was the first one transforming children into spiritual champions this is one Mm. by george barna again these are all older books but as i was glancing at them this morning everything they're saying is still relevant today so First of all, for Christian parents not to abdicate that, like we used to think that sending our kids to school was safe. Yeah, I think I think we need to rethink that. I definitely yeah. not. We we definitely need to be aware. It's not.
0: Well, and I think that's important to remember is that I, I think it seems like school boards, I guess what I've thought of as school boards, like aren't, aren't school boards made up of parents of people who like isn't that, is that true or is that incorrect?
1: Well, August, good question. (laughs) I did too. Yes, sometimes it is. The county that's close by to me that have have had their kids out of school the longest and with the mask, they just had an election turnover. So this is where you keep going through. This has been my line of thinking as I'm, so I'm going to tell you, uh, okay, let me think how to say this best. No, they do not have to be a parent to be on school board. In fact, that school board election in 2020 turned over some seats and some progressive, and we knew that some very radical pro- progressive people got on the school board that were not, hmm. that not the local residents just wanting to do their duty. That right. wasn't their, um their motivation.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, see, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really big deal. So number one uh, it's not necessarily parents that are on the school board, but they are elected positions every so often. And so, One way that parents can be involved is by one running for local school board or two supporting good people who can run for local school board. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And they don't have to be qualified. You know, there's no specific qualification in education or anything like that to run for school board. Is that right?
1: Yes. And what I would say this little phrase start small, think big, because it seems overwhelming if you've never been involved to go, I'm for school board yeah start by getting involved there's facebook groups you can just type in locally um concern parents of and put your county name and i bet you something will pop up um yeah. start there getting informed you may be uninformed about some of the things that are concerns after that just go to a school board meeting just see what it's like you don't even yeah. have to speak after just that sit in speak right just what a, being a part of a group being in force in numbers is as a don't discount that that's not a valuable role because not everybody's going to be the speaker yeah but yeah from that that's what's happened in my county and in the other county next door is people after going through this process they realized just what you said august i could do this mm-hmm. i've got enough i i, I kind of see how it works now so and that was over a period of about a year
0: yeah gotcha so um Okay. So that's helpful, right? So it's, it's helpful to know that school boards are open to the public. They, anybody can run for them if they want to. Um, It's kind of on elections. It's an elections basis. So there's an accountability that's there. That's pretty clear cut, right? In terms of the way you want to be involved. Um, Are there any other issues that you're seeing with parents getting involved in this process? I mean, are, are current school boards trying to block this? I know in some States there were some, kind of things where there was some hostility towards parents coming to these meetings are you seeing any of that
1: yes uh and every county and again i started with just my own county the county next door kind of being aware of that but i've joined groups in the other surroundings so now i'd say like five counties in north atlanta yeah and um it really there's there's another thing that i've learned that yes school boards have a role So that'd be the first thing too. If you're a researcher, go on your county school board website and just see what, what they say their purpose is. Mm -hmm. And there are limits to that, to a school board, which they should be, what is the role of the school board? So get involved, you know, get your mind around that. And then the second thing is the superintendent. That's a big one that that's not so Mm -hmm. easily. I mean, they, they come usually by contract. The school board is able to, um, recommend them or point them however that works that's where it matters that the school board members are the right people to do that superintendent appointing so back to that yes there's hostility back towards the parents because all these school boards have been functioning independently and right. nobody shows up the school board meetings hardly now we've got 30 40 50 people showing up everybody's yeah. to speak they're limiting them some people are very hostile you know it's it's been contentious in many counties you can yeah. go on YouTube, you can type that in and find many videos Yeah, showing.
0: Gotcha. So um, I guess what, what is the next steps? Just, wh- I guess, uh, so this is a, it's become a political issue, right? It's become kind of a political issue. Right. Right. So what is your, is your candidate or are you like taking a stance on this? What, what is the stance that's being taken in terms of how to solve this and how should Christians be kind of thinking about that?
1: Right. Well, depending on what's where your state stands, like for Georgia, we don't have school choice. So we've used, uh, I think, some, as, parent, as parents have spoken out, local legislators, your state rep and your, your state house rep and the state senate are the closest to the people. So they're now formulating bills and they're looking at what's already in place and they're saying, what can we do to help? Because they're being called upon. So that's a yeah. good thing because it is coming from the people. So in in Georgia, they're looking at shoring up a bill of rights of parent, doing a bill of rights for parents mm-hmm. that provides a process by which parents can make a complaint. And then the school board or whoever the responsible party is has to respond within a certain amount of time. That's the other thing that was happening. There wasn't a level of accountability. They didn't have right. any recourse as right. strong as they wanted. And then some transparency bills about what's actually coming into the schools being like open records, you can get through open records, any kind of, you know, emails, correspondence, recommendations from these accrediting agencies. But what's happening um, is they, they charge you thousands of dollars to do that. And they're allowed to really. So Hmm. if you think about that, it's kind of an obstacle. It's an obstacle for most people. They're not going to pay $1,500 to get three emails. So uh, a transparency. So basically what parents, if I could boil it down, it'd be transparency, accountability, and get the parents' rights elevated. Because I think, and not to all the fault of a school board or an elected official, I think parents have been a little sleepy. I know they Mm -hmm. have. That's why that's why I chose not even do the fight back in 2005, I decided I, and that was definitely a spiritual call for me, but, um, I'm excited and I'm very much supporting all these parents who are um, just looking for ways to improve the schools.
0: Yeah, for sure. So why do you think, um, I don't know if we should get into this or not, but why do you think that there's kind of a, um, us versus them mentality of the, um, school boards versus the parents. Like, I just think it's just fascinating to me that because someone's an educator, they might think that there's an intellectual eliteness that's there. Um, when it's just, it's just kind of like, look, your parents come from all walks of life. Parents are, you know, they come from engineering backgrounds or software backgrounds, or they're entrepreneurs. I mean, there's just so much that parents are doing that have to, that show intelligence or show learnedness, right. And show the ability to think critically. And a lot of parents, especially, I mean, especially the homeschool parents that we've talked to, I mean, they've done so much of this research on their own um, and they haven't gone to school for it, but that doesn't mean that they are not, they haven't looked at diverse opinions and looked at all these own educational, like their own educational resources. So why do you feel like there's this pushback here? Like, is it truly just a political agenda or is there something more to it?
1: That's a big question. I don't know. know. It would be anecdotal for me (laughs) to say. I would love to get an answer. I think I'll probably go on that rabbit trail one day. Um, But initially, I would say, what's the nature of man? That's that's the real, that's where it comes from. Somebody's been elected, they're being challenged, they're being accused. Uh, Say I'm sitting school board member. I've been doing my job. Let's say I've been doing my job pretty well, But I missed the fact, or I didn't think it was that big of a deal that there were all these uh, books with ideology that maybe were questionable and could be um, detrimental to children. Maybe I just missed that, which is Mm -hmm. what I think somewhat happened to some of the people on our school board. Um, So I missed it. And now I've got parents coming to me very angry, very hostile, because some of them did, not all of them. And I'm going to go in the defense mode, because my nature is. I'm going to defend what I'm doing. I'm a pretty good person. I'm doing a good job. They're not appreciating me. Therefore, we will keep parents like in their place because we're so I think that's initial that's probably across the board, but most of it is. And then after that, once it gets exposed, I will say that there was a request of 80 books to be taken out of middle and high school and if I sent you, I don't think I showed you this, but if I showed you the content of these books, you would say, absolutely, this has no place. This isn't even sex education. It was,
0: Yeah.
1: I'll just go ahead and say it was erotically sexually content, erotic mm. sexual content in library books in middle school, which we wow. know is like danger land. Yeah. Um, so the parents requested it and eight books were removed, but that was not a school board decision. That was actually a superintendent. There's a whole process that you just mm-hmm. like with government, which is not a bad thing. you got a process of like the library committee, how it gets chosen. There's a review committee, everything takes time. So it took six months and out of the 88 were removed. So there was progress,
0: wow. Yeah, but
1: that's what I mean, but you can't, I don't start small, think big.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember, like you said, like it's probably not these school boards jobs to vet every single book that comes in on their shelves, right? They don't have time for that. And so that's probably understandable, but the question is, is there the humility and a willingness to listen to these concerns um, about the deeper issues that are going on? Right. And I think that's just important to remember, like there's in all of these things, there just tends to be such a focus on um, outrage, right. And anger, as opposed to, understanding forgiveness and progress like there's there's just such a flip to it when you can pursue it that way I think rather than coming with demands and uh, name calling and things like that so yeah okay well that's um that's a really good point I mean any other thoughts on this subject that I, I haven't let you cover or anything like that
1: well I, I I didn't ask you before we started about who your audience is I know a little bit about it, but I would yeah. say the question for parents um, who want to help grow the, their child's, first of all, their, their own worldview, my worldview keeps my biblical worldview keeps getting, you know, more uh, solidified, I guess. Sure. And one of the questions that I found in these books is probably what prompted me so much was, you know, asking the question, what's the goal of education? You know, what and what limits do the do, do I need to give to the school or should the school have versus the home versus the church? You know, all those kind of questions that y'all talked about that I, I like some of your podcasts. We talked about jurisdiction. Yeah. I think that's, that's a right. good way to think about that. So yeah. that, that was just one thing I was thinking as a parent. When we're in our homes and we feel kind of like, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person. It's like. No, I hope this, if anything, this conversation will help spur some people to say, I can start the process. I've got a friend that I can do this with. And that's what I always like to find a friend that will do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's totally true. Like parents are not alone in thinking these things, number one. And number two, they're not disqualified from it. And so they, it's, it's, um, it's easy to get involved in the process and it's easy to just show up, like you said, and listen, and then you just kind of start to see how things work before actually dipping your toe in. But I think it's a great thing to do. And I think it's worth saying like we at, at worldview or you or anybody, like we're not mad at educators. We're not mad at public schools, anything wow. like that. Like there's obviously a lot of people who are in those public schools. There's a lot of good hearted teachers and and um, board of education members and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think like when you when you talk about jurisdiction and when you talk about Well, when you talk about jurisdiction and when you talk about um, epistemology, like how we know truth, you have to ask that question of where are we going to allow for these jurisdictions to be? But also, is the school willing to reflect the values of the people in their community? Right. Like, I guess that's why I always thought that it was only teacher or it was only parents who were on on these boards because I was like, well, the public schools exist to basically help like educate and reflect the values of the surrounding community um and it just seems like some of these things don't go along with that and that's why there's been such pushback against it because they not only don't go along with it they're like pretty opposed to it and um that's just why it's become such a contentious issue so yeah that all make sense yes yeah Cool. Well, thanks for listening to me yammer just a little bit. But um yeah, thanks again for being on, Suzanne. Good luck on the campaign and um thanks for taking the time to share what you have for us.
1: Yes, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, we'll see ya.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us. For more information about our Worldview Academy summer camps, go to worldview.org. And for more information about our one-year gap year program for college freshman students, you can go to worldviewbridgeyear.com. Thanks again. Hopefully we'll see you soon.